Find your sermon outline there in your bulletin. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew today. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 12. You'll find that on page 1526 if you're using that book rack Bible. Everybody's Bible opens. Someone around you might share with you or you might have a tablet or a smartphone. Find your way there. This is our fifth installment in a little series we're calling Children of Compassion, Modeling the Father's Heart for Those Who Need Care or Those Who Are in Need. And we've looked at some special things in this series. First, we've looked at the fact that God is a God of compassion, right? We start there. We realize that our loving Heavenly Father is a God of compassion and care. We come to Him. And if we're going to model that compassion, then we've learned that God wants us to be compassionate and caring toward uh, the, the uh, hungry, uh, through the hurting, to the, th- to the hurting, as well as uh, to the helpless. And today we're going to look at another category of people that need help, and, and this is a category that all of us are really familiar with, I think in our own lives, enough. That's the area of the wanderers around us and in us. All of us struggle with wandering. What does God's Word have to say about wandering? We have care ministries here at Three Crosses that address the wanderers, people that have lost their way, people that need purpose, people that are looking for direction in their life. And that might be you today. You might be sitting here today aimless, wandering. You don't even know it. And today the Holy Spirit is going to speak to your life about how aimless it has become and that only the Lord God can take us out of that aimlessness in life. It's amazing when you think about uh, the two extremes of wanderers in terms of age. When you're little, you wander a lot. I, I have shared embarrassingly that I was such a wanderer as a little kid that my mom put me in a, on a leash when I was a little kid. You know, you see those people walking their dogs with those little stretch out leashes, you know. I kind of had that. My mom was on the edge of technology back then. It was really great. So, you know, she could recoil me back in, bring me right back if I was getting a little too far out. Um, I remember one time clothes shopping with my mom, which every little toddler loves to do with their mother. And she was in a department store somewhere, and I wandered off. And I remember sort of aimlessly walking around, and, and I, I knew I was getting lost. And I reached up, and I thought it was her. And so I was holding her hand. And when I looked up, it was a mannequin. That was a little unnerving as a little boy. I remember just kind of crying out and uh, some lady rescued me and took me to like lost and found or something. I think my mom was trying to lose me actually. She had already left the store, had to come back. No, I'm just kidding. When you're little, you wander. But you know when you get older, you wander too. Have you been looking, I've been just astounded at how many people come down with Alzheimer's and, and uh, dementia. I read a statistic that was kind of scary. First of all, did you know that 10,000 people every day are turning 65 in America? 10,000 people a day. Boom, boom, boom. That's amazing. That's a lot of folks out of that boomer generation. 65. And did you know that seniors, two, uh, one out of three seniors will contract dementia or Alzheimer's? <laughs> if you're sitting around seniors next to you, just kind of count them out. One, two, okay. Um, <laughs> might be a little crazy. When you get older, and, and 
Six out of ten people that contract Alzheimer's or dementia become wanderers. And some of you know, I'm not trying to be silly with this, some of you know how difficult that is with parents or relatives, people that you love, and you know, you lay down for a nap and boom, out they go. Where do they go? They don't even know where they're going. That's a scary thing. When you're little, you wander. When you're older, you wander. But there's another category of folks that wander too. And that's what we're going to look at right now in Matthew 18. Just follow along, Matthew 18, 12. Jesus asks the question, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for that one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about all the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Well, what is the category of wanderers we're talking about here? Some have suggested that this is talking about children only, because in the context of Matthew 18, Jesus is talking about children. He puts a little child next to him, and he says, unless you become like one of these, you will never see the kingdom of heaven. There's something about childlike faith that Jesus compared that we as adults need to somehow understand. Something about a child. In verse 5, Jesus says we should welcome a little child like this in my name. Jesus said, if you welcome a child like this in my name, you welcome me. And then in verse 6, he changes the language. He says, but if anyone causes one of these little ones, and he uses a different word there. It's not the word paideia, which is the word for age-appropriate or aged little ones or young ones, but he uses a word that describes through the rest of the text someone that might be considered least Someone that we maybe passed over because we think that maybe they don't have the same stuff that we've got. Throughout this passage, Jesus changes the language from the little child to the little ones, the word micros, which has nothing to do with age. And so I'm suggesting that the, the little ones that the father is concerned about in verse 14 of chapter 18 is not someone so much young of age, but perhaps least, perhaps on the outside, perhaps on the margins of life. A wanderer. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to understand from the start. Everyone wanders. Just write that down. Everyone wanders. It's an undeniable truth. The key word here is everyone. Everyone means everyone. No one can say that they've never wandered. In fact, in a crowd this size, some of us today are wandering. We're not on the path that we ought to be, and we know it. Or maybe we're not on the path that we ought to be, and we don't know it. Here's what I've discovered in a little word study on the idea of wandering in the Scriptures. I've discovered that wandering is a great metaphor. It's used in Scripture to describe the unsaved people of the world. You may want to jot that down. It's a word that describes the unsaved, a wanderer. And there are many different words that describe this throughout the Bible, going astray, drifting, being lost, being blind. All these are metaphors to this idea of being a wanderer. And until, the Bible tells us, until God's gracious influence pulls us onto the right path, we are all by nature wanderers and nomads in this thing called life. I heard recently of a church whose purpose statement is helping people find their way back to God. I like that. 
here at Three Crosses, it's life transformation through following Christ. And what we're talking about there is finding our purpose or the reason why God made us. And the Bible describes that a lot of people never come to understand their purpose simply because they don't know God's grace. They've never discovered and experienced God's grace for their lives. They are wanderers. Isaiah talks about this. So let's read the scripture out loud. A couple scriptures we'll read out loud here. Isaiah 53, 6, somewhat familiar. Would you read it with me? Here we go. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. Before God's gracious influences have brought us into a covenant relationship with them, that's us. We're all going our own way. We're all doing our own thing. We're like sheep that have wandered off. In the New Testament, we find that same picture where Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.25. Read that one with me as well. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The Bible pronounces that in reality, apart from God's grace, we are all miserably lost, miserably trapped by a spirit of wandering that keeps us far from the path of the Father's will. And I've noticed that unbelievers usually don't see how far off the path they really are. Talk to the average person who hasn't met our Savior and suggest to them that they are lost, (laughs) and they'll likely disagree with you. Lost? Lost from what? Our words will be offensive, and they will not believe us. Because people that are lost or aimless or wanderers outside of Christ often don't know this. They don't see this. And yet it's a clear reality. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, coming to Christ is a true miracle of God because only God can give us sight. You know, you, you, some of us are struggling with sharing Christ with people and, and we just kind of knock in our heads going, why don't they see this? Why don't they see this? <laughs> and right here, 2 Corinthians 4 says they can't see it unless God opens their eyes. Does that mean we should stop talking to them? Absolutely not because we don't know the way God is fashioning their path so that they might come to the place where when God opens their eyes, it will clearly be seen. So we keep sowing seeds and we keep serving our community. We keep loving people all without any guarantee that anybody will ever see anything of what we're talking about. But we do this because we believe the scripture that unless God opens the eyes of people, they continue to be blind. And sometimes blind people are right in the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the reality. I'm, I'm oftentimes uh, a little unnerved by the things that Jesus said to the religious people of his day. I mean, he, his harshest remarks are toward those who saw themselves as in the know. And John chapter 9 is a great example of that. If you're quick, you want to just turn over, just a couple gospels over, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In John chapter 9, verse 39 and following, uh, this comes on the heels of Jesus healing a man from blindness. And what a great statement this is. I mean, think about this. Jesus opened a man's physical eyes. And that's a great lesson that Jesus was teaching his people that, that he, owns, he owns our eyes and he can open them. And in the aftermath of that amazing miracle, Jesus says in verse 39, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will 
see will become blind. Ooh, what does that mean? The Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would, have, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. Wow. And what Jesus is saying is that there's a lot of folks who have a religious veneer in their lives and it seems like enough for them. And it seems like as long as we've got this religiosity, as long as we can maybe quote some Bible verses, as long as we know the language, as long as we're connected somewhat with a church, we, we are in. We're ba- After all, I mean, we're Americans. We are, we are born in a country that was founded on religious principles and all these things. And people, it's amazing. And a lot of us are right now thinking, oh yeah, Pastor Larry's talking about all those people out there, that is religious veneer. In a crowd this size, there are some of us, I, there's no question about There are some of us today in this room hearing this message who think that because we know stuff or because we're affiliated or connected to a church or that we're trying to live a moral life, we're saved. We're in God's covenant people. But you might just be a huge wanderer. You might not even see it. And I, you know, I prayed through this message and praying all through this weekend because this last week has been a hard week, a heavy week. Uh, the chief that brought me into the chaplaincy of Alameda County Fire, Bill McCammon, great man, so much respect for his leadership, great man, in his early 60s, went to bed Sunday night and never woke up. Uh, he's retired from the fire department, but he's still very busy, uh, active in the community. And I was summoned to their house with his dear wife and their adult children who are gathering at that scene something they never expected. And over this week, I've had lots of conversations with people, lots of conversations with people all out there, people that are in fire service and sheriff's department and all of these people and, and so many of them as I pray for them because I love them so dearly. I say, Lord, will they have eyes to see? And some of us hold on to our religion. We might have a different background. We hold on to our religion and we say, that's enough. This last week, not only in those circumstances, but in many other circumstances, I've been around people that I just say, oh God, would you open their eyes? Open their eyes. People in religious institutions don't always see it either. We need to pay attention to what Jesus says. In fact, the church at Laodicea, remember the church at Laodicea? Church at Laodicea, in Revelation 3, Jesus has some really harsh words to say. He says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He's speaking to a church. All of those adjectives are adjectives that describe an unsaved person. So Jesus continues, be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and live in him. Have you experienced the life of Jesus Christ? Or are you religious? You might say you're rich and you have no need. But until we realize that we are poor and naked and helpless and hopeless... And fall before a loving God that is tirelessly 
sent message after message to our hearts that he loves us with an everlasting love. Until God opens our eyes to see our need, we, we can see ourselves as having no need whatsoever. So I'm asking the Lord to show us today, each one of us, where we are with him. Wandering can be a characteristic of the unsaved. But you know what else I've learned? I've learned that wandering can also be a characteristic of the saved. (laughs) And who of us that are saved would disagree with the fact that there are periods, sometimes seasons in our lives where we're just wandering? I mean, have you ever driven somewhere and when you got there you don't remember anything about getting there? And I'm not talking about being under the influence or anything. I'm just talking about so preoccupied that you go, wait a minute, I don't even remember anything about the trip. That's a weird experience, and most of us have had that experience. Some of us are kind of going that way in our spiritual lives. When was the last time we checked in with the Lord? I don't remember. When was the last time I prayed and really sought the Lord on a decision that needed to be made in my life? I don't remember. When was the last time I engaged with somebody that wasn't saved because my heart was burning that they might know the Savior that I know? I don't remember. We're just cruising through life. I think Christians, solid believers in Christ, can sometimes just wander. God's people wander too. Some examples. Let me throw out some examples from the Old Testament. Uh, During the time of the Exodus, you remember that whole 40 years when God's people were out in the desert? That's called by biblical commentators the wilderness wanderings. They wandered through the desert. It's summed up in Psalm, excuse me, in Numbers 32:13. Let's read that out loud together. Numbers 32:13. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the desert 40 years until the whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight was gone. Why did, those, why did the children of Israel wander for 40 years? Because of their stubborn unbelief. You know, I found myself wandering in my spiritual life as a Christ follower because I've just doubted God. God, I, I got this. I'll take care of this from here. Thank you, God. Up to this point, it's been great. Let me just take over now. I can do that in rapid fire succession in my life. And then I, I start wandering because I'm not walking in step with God's will in my life. God needs to bring repentance to my heart. In fact, during the period of the Judges, you know the book Judges in the the Old Testament? That book is about Judges. Oh, I I tricked you on that one. It's about Judges. It's called the book of Judges because it's about Judges. Just like the book of Numbers is about Numbers. Very good. You guys are very smart. In the book of Judges, yes, it's about wandering because here's the cycle you read about in the book of Judges. People are walking with God in peace. And so they get comfortable, so they start compromising, and they fall into sin. They rebel against God. God sends judgment, discipline, to get their attention. They cry out to God for a deliverer, and God sends them a deliverer. And then life goes back to being at peace, and then they fall back into sin. And then God sends judgment, and then they cry out for deliverance, and God sends a deliverer. And then life is peaceful, and then they fall into sin. And then God judges them. And then they cry out for a deliverer. Are you following this? This is the book of Judges. It's over and over. Chapter 3, you've got Ehud. 
Chapter 4, you've got Deborah. Chapter 6, you've got Gideon. Chapter 10, you've got, or 11, you've got Jephthah. Chapter 13, you've got Samson. These are all God's judges, deliverers coming to the people. And the cycle continues. At the very end of the book of Judges, it says, Israel had no king in those days. Everyone did what they saw fit in their own eyes. That is the pattern for some of God's people today. We live in this vicious cycle. We walk with God. We rebel against God. We, God sends discipline in our life. We cry out to God to deliver us. He's always gracious and does so. Oh, life is good. Thank you, Jesus. And then we fall back into comfort, comfortable life. We fall back into compromise. And the cycle goes on and on. Now, that's the Old Testament co- the old covenant that we're talking about in Judges, but it happens with God's new covenant people too. We can see places in our lives where we get a little bit off track, and, and that's, a, that's another example. Uh, do you remember during uh, Israel's history when Elijah was prophesying? And he comes to the children of Israel, and he says in 1 Kings 18, 21 and following, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal is God, follow him. Decide. You're wandering. The prophets of the Old Testament continue to bring out this one word, return. Return. It's found more in more of the uh, Old Testament prophets, that word, than any other word. Return to me, God says. Return to me. Teshuva in the Hebrew language. Repent. Come back. Go away from your wandering. Come to me, God says. We see this all through the prophets. They Jeremiah 14.10, they greatly love to wander, God says about his people. They do not restrain their feet. Or in uh, Jeremiah 31.22, how long will you wander, O unfaithful daughter, God says to his people. Or in Jeremiah 50, verse 6, they wandered over mountain and hill and forgot their own resting place. The book of Zechariah, chapter 10, verse 2 says that the idols speak deceit, diviners see visions that lie, they tell dreams that are false, they give comfort in vain, therefore the people wander like sheep oppressed for lack of a shepherd. You know, when you read Zechariah 10, uh, uh, 10.2, like we just read there, uh, I see something that happened in the Gospels. Did you? Did you just see that? In Matthew chapter 9, if you're in Matthew 18, you can just slip back there, Matthew 9. Jesus went through the towns, verse 35, the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had, what, compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's exactly the language of Zechariah 10 too. That's amazing to me. This is our God. Our God continues to come after us, continues to search after us, to find his wandering believers, God's covenant people. Even in the New Testament, we see the same picture. 1 Timothy 6.10, people that love money can sometimes fall into this wandering. Some people eager for money, Paul writes, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Some people who like 
ideas and knowledge without applying it to their lives become wanderers. Have you ever met someone like that? Always interested in the next idea, loves talking theology. But you know, Paul says about those folks, he says, which some have professed and in doing so have wandered from the faith. He's talking about how people actually wander from the faith that they become so intrigued with because they lose sight of who Jesus really is. Jesus is not an argument to be won. He's not a theology to be sort of uh, precisely documented. Oh, I'm not getting away from the true theology of Scripture and why we need truth, but so many people traffic in things like that to where they lose sight of Jesus. They lose sight of following Jesus. Believers who embrace ungodliness as a lifestyle are also wanderers, the New Testament tells us. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2, he says, Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene among them. He names two people. How would you like to be these two people? You wind up in Scripture for the rest of eternity. Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. I mean, people that get all, you know, tricked out about end-time events, and they start talking about events in, in such a way that they know, and everybody else is wrong, and they're just, Paul says, you can wander from the faith. I'm talking about believers. You can wander off. I love James 5.19. Listen to this. James writes, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back... Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. Oh, listen, beloved, what we ought to be consumed with is looking for the wanderers, the wanderers of God's people. If we're honest, we can identify seasons where we've wandered too. So everyone wanders. We see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's a truth we can't deny. But here's another truth that we can't deny. And that is God has compassion for all who wander. That's our God. And you read that in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 34, even, even, if, you have banished, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. Isaiah 54, 7, For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. So when we wander, isn't it great to know that God is a compassionate God and he comes after us? He's the great, as someone said, the great hound of heaven who continues to trace out our paths to bring us back. We find examples of this in the New Testament and right here in Matthew 18 we find that God is compassionate toward the wanderer. I'm struck by the fact that Jesus tells this simple story and he says in verse 14, in the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Any of the least should be lost. Is that you? This morning as a Christ follower, have you wandered off the path? I've been thinking all week about wanderers that I've met, people unsaved and people I've met that are saved, that are wandering. 
I know a guy who's a Christ follower who's struggling in his marriage and he's chosen adultery. That's a wanderer. I know a young lady that is, was raised to understand the truth of God's word and the gospel and followed the Lord and, and today she's not walking with Christ. I know tons of people like that. Do you? You know people that used to sit right to your right or left here today that are not here with us today because they've chosen a path of wandering. And so here's what the Spirit of God would have us just in a couple of closing minutes. I want to enlist all of us into the mission of God this morning. He goes after the wanderer. And I want us to too because we model God's heart for those who wander by being compassionate to them. By being compassionate to them. And here's, here's how to develop a compassionate heart for the wanderer. Number one, be aware of them. Look around. Look for the one that wandered off. Verse 12, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go look for the one who wandered off? Are we looking for the wanderers? We should be. That's how we develop a heart of compassion. Is there anybody on your prayer list that is wandering spiritually? Is there anybody today that you could say, there's a person that I need to get to this week and encourage in some way? Because chances are, if you're like me, people that wander kind of get out of our radar and pretty soon we don't see them anymore. And they're left really to wander on their own and God wants us to be used as his hands and feet. First, be aware. Second, take action. Take action. In the parable, Jesus likens the action of the shepherd who became aware and then went and looked. Action may be initiating a phone call, a visit, doing something of compassion, caring for them, loving them in some way. If you were going to communicate with somebody that you hadn't seen for a while and fear that they're in a wandering place in their life, don't start with, where have you been? That usually doesn't come across really compassionate. Start off with, I miss you. Or, how are you? Or, I pray for you. Is there anything I can pray for you? Or even better, is there anything I can do for you? Or even better, here's something I thought would bless your life. And give them something. Help them some way. Serve them in some way. We learned this morning, faith comes by hearing. Yes. Faith comes by serving too. When we serve the needs of people and we love people for Jesus' sake. I've got people in my neighborhood that are going through really tough things right now and just trying to be a light. Just trying to love people. Just trying to give to people. And what would happen if this crowd, this group, right here in this church we call Three Crosses, became passionate about going after the wanderers? Would it make a difference? I think it would. It may make a difference just for one person. And then lastly, discover joy. If he finds it, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that didn't wander off. You know what God loves to see? He loves to see people come home. Are you home? 
Are you in the place where you need to be? This morning as we close the service, we're going to have a prayer room available for anyone that needs to come home. How beautiful that would be. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we're all wanderers, we admit it. Thank you for your grace and mercy to give us a persevering faith, to pull us back from the brink, to keep us from stepping over the edge. Some of us feel like we are over the edge this morning, and we wonder how will we ever find our way back. Oh, Lord, thank you that all we need to do is call upon your name, and you are there. You never leave us or forsake us. For anyone, Lord Jesus, that you might be opening their eyes to see your grace and your light and your love right now, may they reach out to you and stop running in their life and know that you brought them to this service today that they might have a relationship with the living God and experience true purpose in life. I pray that they might just simply cry out to you, Lord, in their own words. I can't give them words, only you can, Lord. If that's you, cry out to the Lord. He'll hear your prayer. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your life. He will. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the proof of that call is that we continue to follow Jesus, that we don't just whisper up a prayer and move on, check the box. We follow Jesus. And the evidence of his work in our lives is that when we do wander, we say, oh God, How could we have ever gone away? I need to come home to Shuva. I need to come back. And Lord, hear the prayers of many this morning that are just crying that cry today in their hearts. Lord, we come back to you. We come back to you today, Lord. Thank you for your word, for the richness of truth, the power of the gospel that changes our lives. We love you this morning. We are your people, Lord. We love you. And everyone said, amen.